The following message is brought to you by Morgan Hill Bible Church. For all things MHBC, connect with us on social media and check us out online at mhbible.org. Well, good morning to all of you here at Morgan Hill Bible Church. So glad to have you here. For those that don't know me, my name's Ben, and I'm one of the pastors here and just excited to get to be together with you all, those of you watching outside and online as well. When my oldest son was about two, uh, we were going over to my friend's house for a weekly Bible study. And their house was set up such that the entryway and the living room and the dining room and kitchen were all kind of connected. And so you could just make a circle all the way around. And so as an energetic two-year-old, he loved just running laps constantly around. Circle, 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 circle. He still has that kind of energy even to today, you know. But uh, back then he loved just running those circles. Now, it's important to know that from the entryway, into the living room, there was a little step down. And so every time he's running these circles, I'm right there by the step. I'm like, Micah, slow down. There's a step. And so he'd stop and step down and then keep boogieing. And every time he came around, Micah, there's a step. And he'd stop, step down carefully, and then keep going. Well, one time I didn't remind him of the step. Yes, that's exactly what happened. He jammed through and bam, fell right into the living room, right on the carpet, carpet, so he was okay, but like it jostled him and it got him. And then he got up and started running again. And the next time he came around, I didn't say anything, but boy, did he slow down and oh, there's the step, right? And we can gather a lot from that, right? Like, You know, sometimes you have to learn things the hard way or whatever. But what stood out to me was the fact that I told him time after time after time. He had the truth that he needed and it just didn't sink in. It didn't change him. How often do we show up at church and do the same thing? We listen to the truths. We hear the messages we need to hear. And then we walk out and we're exactly the same as we were before we showed up. It should change us. It should make us live differently. We're in the last uh, of our last week of our series on the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about this now for six weeks. And I've talked with many of you how you've shared how This series has impacted you and and changed you. As we've talked about who the Holy Spirit is and his role in our lives, hopefully that's changed how you've interacted with the Holy Spirit, talking to him more, uh, looking out for ways that he's moving, calling it out if you were here last week. Holy Spirit, looking out for the Holy Spirit's work in your life. Uh, You're using the gifts that God has given you and, and putting them into practice. And today... We're concluding our series and we're talking about a very practical passage. Everything we're talking about this morning is stuff that you can be putting into practice every single day. Every Sunday after church, either at lunch or at dinner, we sit down as a family and we talk about, okay, what stood out to you from the sermon today? 
What's one thing that you're wanting to change or do differently? And I would hope that you're doing that every single Sunday as you're going to church, wanting to change, recognizing, oh, there is a step there, you know, and taking your time or whatever it is, right? Like finding that practical thing that you can be doing differently. When you come to Jesus, Romans 10, 9 says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's a transformation that happens there. When you're confessing Jesus as Lord, that means you're putting him in charge. You're saying, I'm not doing what's on my agenda, but rather I'm doing what's on your agenda. And so there should be something different that happens once you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And so what changes? What tangibly is different? It's how you live from day to day. Romans 8.14 says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Those who have come into his family, have made him Lord, have put him in charge, calling him Abba, Father, are led by the Spirit. That means they're following after where the Spirit's guiding and directing. Now, walking by the Spirit, it's a wrestle. It's a challenge. And what we're looking at this morning is what does it tangibly look like to walk by the Spirit? And that's our title this morning, Walk by the Spirit. I'd invite you to open up your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Or if you don't have a Bible with you, it's also the, the passages in the worship guide as well. And it's going to be up on the screen. What we're going to do is we're going to start out by looking at the entire passage this morning, starting in 16 and going through the end of the chapter. And I want you to listen for the wrestle. Listen for the fight that's happening here. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. You feel the wrestle? Back and forth, spirit, flesh, spirit, flesh. This is very real for me on a daily basis. As I'm wanting to live by the spirit, but I'm wrestling against the flesh. Today, we're going to look at three things we need to do to have daily victory in the Holy Spirit. This is how we walk by the Spirit. Some of you like filling in blanks, taking notes that way. Here's your first blanks to fill in. 
The first way we engage in this daily battle is we engage in the fight. Engage in the fight. I've always been a competitive person. Always been competitive. I grew up, I'm the oldest of five. I have four sisters. Yep. It was a blast. Wonderful. My sisters weren't as competitive as I was, which kind of made it easy for me, honestly. But I still made sure to find lots of different ways that I would win. I got the rest of the milk. I'm first to the car. Stuff like that. But I never tell them beforehand. I would just announce my victory after the fact. And so they never knew that there was an actual competition going on. And then, of course, they tried to catch on a little bit. And, you know, they're like zipping, like trying to be first to the car. And I would just walk over and be like, I'm last to the car. I win. (laughs) Trying to shift it and change it so that I was always the victor. But, of course, they could never win because they didn't know what the competition was. They didn't know there was a competition, right? How can you win if you don't know that there's a fight happening? There is a fight that's happening every single day between the spirit and the flesh. Look again at verse 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. That's a very interesting phrase at the end, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Does that mean that the spirit is trying to keep the flesh from doing the things that I want to do, but I shouldn't be doing? Or does that mean that the flesh is trying to keep the spirit from helping me do the things I should be doing? The answer is yes, both. It's this constant battle back and forth. There's a constant uh, fleshly desire to do things that God doesn't want us to, and the Spirit's there fighting against it. There's a constant spiritual desire as the Spirit continues to work in us to do the things that he wants us to do, but the flesh is pulling against it. A constant battle back and forth. And the first step towards having victory is just recognizing that this battle is happening. Recognizing that the battle is actually happening. My wife, Laura, and I have done premarital counseling for a bunch of different couples. I've officiated a bunch of weddings. And when I officiate the wedding, I take time and do premarital counseling with the couple beforehand. And I always bring Laura along with me because, frankly, she knows a lot that I don't and has a different perspective than me. And so the two of us together really uh, make a, a great partner in this as we're pouring into these other couples. And I don't remember exactly when it was that, that we noticed it, but as we would hop in the car and head out to these uh, premarital counseling uh, meetings, we would start arguing with each other over the dumbest little things. We'd have these fights in the car as we're headed to pour into other couples and help them learn how to communicate well. I don't remember who it was that pointed it out, but one of us finally said, this isn't us. 
This is Satan trying to work against what we're about to go and do. This is our own flesh trying to step in and keep the spirit from doing what the spirit's about to do. The enemy recognizes we're going and pouring into these people and pointing them to biblical truth. And the flesh is trying to fight against that. And so whoever of us that it was that pointed it out, we stopped and we prayed. And we said, God, step in and help us set this aside. We want you to be working. We recognized that there was a battle that was happening and we engaged in the fight. And ever since then, when we hop in the car and we're headed out to do premarital counseling, we start with prayer. And still, sometimes it happens that we start arguing and we nip it in the bud a lot faster because we know what's going on. We know that there's this battle that's happening. Now, we've been talking a lot in this series about what the Holy Spirit does, how the Holy Spirit is the one that's doing the work, how the Holy Spirit's the one that's changing us. Last week, I brought up Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. By grace, you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. This is not our doing. We aren't changed because of how awesome we are. It's the Holy Spirit that's doing the work. So therefore, we just sit back, relax, and let him do his thing. And there's no responsibility on our part, right? No, it doesn't work that way at all. We have our part and we have God's part. Our, our title this morning is pulled straight out of our passage, Walk by the Spirit. And this is one of three action phrases in this passage. Verse 16, it says to walk by the Spirit. Verse 18, it talks about being led by the Spirit. Verse 25 says to keep in step with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's moving. You need to be walking along with him. You need to be keeping up with what he's doing. There's your part and there's God's part. We have things we need to do to engage in the fight. I was thinking about how this works and how this tangibly flushes out. Some of you that have been around a little while may have noticed the parking lot looking a little bit different in the last couple of weeks. We just got it resealed. We had someone come out, reseal the whole thing, restripe it. It looks great out there. Part of my role here at the church is I'm the director of operations. And so it was my job to be finding someone that would come and do that for us. And so I talked to a couple different contractors, uh, got some bids from them, blah, 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 you know, looked at reviews, et cetera, et cetera, pricing, all that kind of stuff. But far be it from me to take the credit. Look how great that parking lot looks. Didn't I do a good job? No. All I did was make sure that the right person could show up and do their job. They're the ones that did the work, not me, but I had a part to play in that. Same with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the one that's doing the work, not us, but we have a part to play in that. We need to give room for the Holy Spirit to show up and do his work. We need to invite him in to the process. When I was younger, I worried a lot. I had a lot of different worries. Oh, I hope that this happens or I want this to happen. What if this doesn't happen? Da, 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 da. And I recognized 
that I needed more peace in my life. So what did I do? I didn't try harder to be more peaceful. I prayed and I said, Holy Spirit, come in and do a work. I need you to be helping me become more peaceful. I got out of the way, I invited him in and I let him do his work. And now I have a lot more peace because I'm recognizing that he's in charge and he's proven himself to continue to be faithful. Currently, I'm working a lot on patience. And I'm working hard on becoming more patient. And you know how I'm doing that? Is I'm praying, God, help me to be patient. God, help me to be patient. And I'm making opportunities for him to step in and do that through me. And sometimes he does that whether I like it or not. The line that I get in is the longest one. And it takes longer than every other, right? You know, or... All of a sudden, there happens to be traffic at like 1 p.m. Like, what's going on, right? And I get to learn to be a little bit more patient. But that's the Holy Spirit that's doing the work, not me. Because I'll never get there on my own. This is a daily work. Look at verses 25 and 26. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. We're living by the Spirit and also keeping in step. There's two things that are happening here. Living by the Spirit is inviting him into your life, saying, I want you to be a part of things. But then we've got to keep in step with him. We've got to continue to be walking with him. This happens every single day. It's ongoing. So what is that daily engagement? What does this look like? It's reliance on the Holy Spirit for everything. If you're wanting to step forward, if you're wanting to become more like Christ, you have to rely on the Holy Spirit and he's the one that's doing the work. And how do we let him win? We give him every advantage possible. We give him every advantage possible. I used to coach basketball and this one year I was coaching this team and we got to our final game and every single kid on the team had scored at least one basket except for one kid. I was like, I want him to score. I don't care if we win or lose. I just want this kid to be able to make a basket because wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't that be wonderful for him? Whatever. So I put him on the court and I told him, don't bother with defense. You just stay down by our basket. And sure, the, the other team's gonna get the ball and go down that way and the rest of the guys are gonna play defense or the other team's probably gonna score. I don't care. As soon as we get the ball, someone's gonna chuck it back to you where you're all by yourself and you just turn around and make a basket. And this is gonna happen. I'm giving him every advantage possible. Six or seven times, the ball goes down, gets in his hands, he turns, clang. Like he never made it. And I was just so frustrated by the end. I was so bummed. But I did everything I could, right? I gave him every advantage possible to make him be able to do that. We've got to do the same with the Holy Spirit. If we want to become more like Christ as we're living, if we want to have these qualities within us, we have to give him every advantage possible. How can you expect the spirit to win your battle when you're not praying? How can you expect him to win the battle when you're not taking time with him daily in the word? 
How can you expect him to win the battle when you are putting yourself in tempting situations day in, day out? Give him every advantage possible. If your phone is that tempting thing where you're spending too much time on it or you're looking at things you shouldn't be, don't keep it in your pocket. Put it in another room. Get it out of the way. Turn it off. Give the spirit every advantage possible so that he can win in this daily fight against the flesh. But as you're doing these things, what you're doing is you're making room for him to do the work. You aren't winning the fight. You can't. On your own, you lose every single time. So you need to engage in the fight every day. And as you do, you need to examine the fruit. Examine the fruit. That's your next set of blanks for those of you that like that. Examine the fruit. Now we have two different lists that we're given here. And, and most of us are familiar with the second list. These lists of fruit, love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This list makes it on magnets or on artwork or on pens. Some of you uh, may have been around first service at some point. There's a guy in our church named Harry that hands out pens. And on the pens are the fruit of the Spirit. And I love it. And he hands them out. Just a wonderful guy. Love his ministry. Love his passion. It's a good reminder as I stare at this. What do I need to be working on? The other list doesn't often wind up on pens. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. And, and Paul was like, there's more, but I'm kind of running out of space. And he says, things like these. Couldn't even list them all. Yeah, doesn't wind up on pens very often, right? Now, these two lists are worth studying and diving into and looking at each of the individual things in the list. In fact, a project I would give you is to take each character quality in the second list, in the good list, and con contrast it with the first list. It's fascinating to see how they line up. But I just wanted to give you a few overarching things as we're talking about examining fruit. First, fruit is informative. Fruit is informative. Oh, what kind of tree is this? The, the place we moved into a, a number of years ago, we were told that we had an orange tree in our backyard. Oh, cool. Well, when the season came around for fruit to start growing, the, the fruit was kind of yellow, not orange. And it maintained its yellowness. And, and we picked it, and it was very sour. Yeah, it wasn't an orange tree. It's a lemon tree. We found out because the fruit was informative. You have lemons, you have a lemon tree. The end, right? Nice and simple. Now, sometimes it's hard to tell. You see a tree. I'm not sure what kind of tree it is. Well, give it time. Fruit will come, and it'll be evident. What kind of person is this? Give them time. The fruit will become evident. And 
All that the fruit does is it shows you what kind of tree it is. You only get apples from apple trees. You only get cherries from cherry trees. You only get the fruit of the Spirit from the Holy Spirit. I worked it in and out when I was back in high school and early college. And I remember still to this day, this woman comes up to me, places her order. And after that, she looks at me. She goes, you're a Christian, aren't you? I go, yes. What, what makes you say that? She goes, I can tell. It still gets me today. Someone looked at me and saw the fruit of the Spirit and pointed it out. So beautiful. I know it's happened to some of you as well, and just amazing when that happens. Now look at verse 21. Verse 21 is the ending of this negative list. And then Paul says, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now what's important to note is that do such things is a continual act. Because let's be honest with ourselves, each one of us has done multiple of the things on this list and not very long ago either. This is something that we wrestle with. This is part of this wrestle. This is part of this fight. But it doesn't mean that once you do one of those things one time, that oh, that's it, kingdom of heaven isn't for you. Absolutely not. It's a constant battle and wrestle. But what Paul is saying is that those who continually, habitually, this is their lifestyle. This is who they are. Those who constantly do those things, those are the ones that aren't inheriting the kingdom of God. It's important also to see that this list is for yourself. It's not for others. It's for yourself. He says, walk by the Spirit. Paul wasn't writing this to say, okay, here you go. Here's this list of things to be watching out for. Now go out there with a checklist and see how other people are doing and then decide what kind of person they are. Mm -mm. That wasn't the point of it. The point of it was for you to look at yourself. What kind of fruit is coming out of me? Are these works of darkness coming out of me? Are these works of the flesh coming out of me? Or is the fruit of the spirit coming out of me? And if the fruit of the Spirit isn't coming out of me, I need to be letting the Spirit come in and do more work. The focus is on you. So let that focus be on you. Fruit is informative, but it's there to show you where you're at in your relationship with God. So fruit is informative. Fruit is also singular. This is in contrast to works, which is plural. There's lots of different works of the flesh. It says that the works of the flesh are. So it's talking about plural. But when he talks about the fruit of the spirit, he says the fruit of the spirit is. It's singular. And here's what that means. That means that the works of the flesh, you don't need to do all of them to be someone that's living by the flesh. Pick any one of them. And if that is part of your regular habit, You've got the works of the flesh. Maybe you're doing great on avoiding sorcery and orgies. 
But how are you doing on impurity, jealousy, fits of anger? Just need one to pull you down. The fruit though, you need all of it. Seeing one on its own doesn't tell the whole story. Gosh, I've been really joyful recently, but not so patient. Yeah, there's work to be done. You need all the fruit. If you're short on one of the fruit, it's time to grow. Fruit is singular. Fruit is also internal. The works of the flesh, it says, are evident, visible, outward. They're, they're things that we do. But the fruit is a group of internal qualities. It's not works-based. I can't ask any one of you to come up here and do faithfulness. Come on, come and, come and show us some faithfulness. It doesn't work that way. It's like trying to build an apple. You can't. The apple grows from the fruit, from the tree. The tree creates the fruit. The Holy Spirit is the one that's in us and creating the fruit. We don't just do it, we're given it. And then once we have it, that changes how we live. But the fruit itself is internal. Finally, fruit is from God. It's a reflection of God's character. It's called the fruit of the Spirit for a reason. Because it's God's character and who he is. So don't just think about the quality. Think about how God expresses that quality. That's what you're looking for. When you think about love, you don't think about what the world would expect love to be, but rather what God expects love to be. It says in Romans 5.8, God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's his kind of love, very different from the world's kind of love. It's a love that's selfless. It's a love that puts others first. It's a love that expects nothing in return. When you think about kindness, you think about God's kindness. Romans 2, it says, do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? When you think about faithfulness, you think about God's faithfulness. In 1 Thessalonians, it says, he who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. God's faithfulness is never ending and always reliable. The world's faithfulness is ah, most of the time. So don't think about what the world expects from each quality. See what God says. See how he expects it. Jesus talked about this in the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard that it was said such and such. But I say to you, you've heard that it was said, don't murder. Hey, okay, that's great. I'm doing well with that. But Jesus said, but I say to you that anyone who carries anger with him has already murdered his brother in his heart. Jesus expects something different out of us than what the world says. This fruit is from God. It's God's character, not ours. So what if the fruit isn't the fruit that I want? What if I'm looking at myself and seeing what's coming out and it's not what I want? Get on your knees. God, I need your help. Again, it's the fruit of the spirit. It's not the fruit of Ben. I need to get myself out of the way and let him step in. Don't try harder. You can't. Give the spirit every advantage. I want more of the fruit of the Spirit. That means I need to spend more time with him. 
That means I need to focus on him. That means I need to start every day in God's word, focused on him, letting him be the one that's in charge every single day, every single moment. So we need to engage in the fight. We need to examine the fruit. And finally, we need to crucify the flesh. We need to crucify the flesh. Now I get this is harsh terminology, but it's really important. And some of you linear thinkers are like, hold on, the other two started with an E. Why doesn't this one start with an E? I know you're out there because <laughs> that's me too. But this is really key. And this actually comes again, straight out of our passage. Look at verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. See, crucifixion is a process. When someone is crucified, they're not dead. They're put up on a cross and they're suffering and they are dying, but they're not dead yet. And so it's important to recognize that as you're interacting with the flesh and you're crucifying it, it's not this one and done thing where you kill it and then you're like, great, I never have to struggle with any of this ever again. I wish that were the case, but that's not the way of the flesh and that's not reality. And so daily we need to put the flesh where it belongs, up on a cross, that it's dying, that it's slowly becoming less in our life, but we have to recognize that it's not dead yet. And so we need to continue to engage in the fight every single day. Romans 6, 1 and 2 says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Our culture has made acceptable and normalized plenty of things that God doesn't desire. And so we need to fight against that every single day, not letting sin in, but rather continuing to crucify it daily. It's a constant fight. And again, victory happens by giving the spirit every advantage. The more you get out of the way, the more the spirit can do his work. Verse 24 ends by saying that we've crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. What are you passionate about? What do you desire? The flesh desires the things of this world, the material, the temporal. But if you're wanting to let the spirit win, you have to say, Lord, take these desires away. Help me to want what you want. So today, what steps are you taking to crucify the flesh with its passions and desires? What are you doing to give the spirit every advantage to win? What are you allowing to rule? Who are you allowing to rule? Now I could very well end right there. And say, okay, we've got some work to do. Get out there and get going. And maybe like me, you feel a little bit of a weight. Ooh, that's a lot. I would be remiss 
to not remind us of the grace of God. The grace of God that is always there, always in front of us, ready to forgive and to help us move forward. Because guess what? We're gonna fail. We're gonna blow it. We're gonna do these things on that first list again and again. But just because you do them doesn't mean that you've lost. Doesn't mean that the battle is over. Keep fighting. Keep pushing forward. Keep continuing to allow the spirit to win by giving him every advantage. And when you fail, receive the grace of God because he continues to give you grace after grace after grace. It's never ending. So as you go, yes, it's a fight. It's a battle. It's constant. And on top of that is God's beautiful, never-ending, always available grace. Isn't that good? That's what we need, church, is we need to remember that God's grace is always available to us as we continue this fight. Forgiveness is there. Don't throw in the towel. Keep going. God's grace is there for you. Holy Spirit, oh, thank you for grace. Because on our own, I, we, we're just gonna continue to fail. So we need your grace to be present in our lives, reminding us that there's always another opportunity to let you in. So God, help us to continue to give you every advantage possible to start our day, to end our day with you, to let you in, in every scenario, in every situation. And to receive the grace. Receive the grace that is available to us. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for forgiving us because God, I know I blow it time after time after time. And I know I don't deserve your love, but you give it to me freely. Thank you, God. May we today just continue to receive that grace, say thank you, and then let you in so that you can make us more like you because what else is there? There's nothing better. Thank you, Lord, for never giving up on us and continuing to give us that grace. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. Continue the conversation with us on social media. Never miss a message and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes.